Hey, man. Dr. Ian Smith, how are you, buddy? Doing the best I can. <laughs> like the rest of us. Shit's getting yeah. crazy, huh? It's been crazy. For a long time. Yeah, it's been crazy. I what just, you're seeing is that, you know, Thomas uh, Thomas Paine once said, these are the times that tribe men souls. Wow. And uh, what you're seeing is that, not that there's anything really new developing, what you're seeing is the unmasking yeah. of all kinds of pathologies in people. Yeah. And it's very sad. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, the vast majority of people aren't good people and trying to do the right thing. It just means that when, when in, the, in the moment of crises um, is when people who are on the other side of the ledger is when they start shining, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I got a quote for you, too, man. Okay. Riot is the language of the unheard. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You know, it's very difficult when, like, I'm a very loving guy and I'm a very peaceful guy. Yeah. And and I love people and just in general, I love life. I love life. And it's very difficult when you got to sit here and you have to intellectually try to figure out, like, where do you fall on all of this? Right. It's really a, a very deep soul searching kind of journey for you, even yeah. for myself. And for me personally, you know, I believe in protest. Everyone can protest. Yes. Conservative, liberal in the middle doesn't matter if you disagree with someone i think one of the great things about our democracy is the right to to protest to civilly protest i think when you start getting into the area of you know damaging and looting and shooting and being destructive well that's not really that's not a peaceful protest and i don't think that that is what is called for in a democracy however that being said yeah the, the other side of the coin is when when people exhaust their efforts and their options to be heard or have changes occur, unfortunately, you know what they do? They go to the last option, which is destruction. So it would behoove level-headed people maybe to listen to people and try to make changes before you take people all the way to the breaking point. Every man has a breaking point. Every man has a breaking point. And some people are just tired. Now, they're also the opportunist, right? There are people who are doing this because they see a moment. Those people are disgusting. You know, they see a moment that there's this huge crisis, this huge response, and they're opportunistic in the sense of they'll take advantage of it to be able to do something criminal or illegal or whatever it is they're trying to do. And it has nothing to do with the purpose of the protest. Now, that is disgusting. Yes. Uh, well, you said a lot in there. First of all, it is human nature to to yell and scream and act out when you feel like you're not being heard. So it, it's funny to see the people sitting on the sidelines and uh, they want to say stuff like, well, just behave or, or you know, uh, violence doesn't solve anything. Why are you looting your own neighborhoods? Uh, and, and and then they, they use it as an excuse to, to look at uh, black people as less than when the fact is, if you're watching the coverage, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of whites also uh, looting and, and, and carrying on and starting fires and everything in between. Well, well, uh, in Minneapolis, but, but it's, but it's happening all across the country. Right. So yes, to me, and I say this to my wife all the time, you know, one of the most beautiful sights is to watch protests peaceful yes. protest yes and people with signs yes and to see how racially diverse those protests are yeah that is just beautiful of it's course. just like 
it it gives me chills even talking about it because it's like the long desire of minorities to have people who occupy the majority to at least empathize and understand their perspective and to stand with them and say injustice isn't justice regardless of origin or color. Yes. I mean, I mean white people don't own, uh, they don't have an exclusive ownership of injustice. Black people are killing black people. Yes. That's injustice, right? Yes. I mean, there are black police officers that do things they shouldn't do. So yes. this isn't a black or white issue. It's an issue of being able to recognize injustice and not always seeing how things work through the lens of color. That's what, so it's beautiful to see white people say enough is enough and this is disgusting. Because you know what, Ope, it's embarrassing. As a country that is so powerful and so advanced and so modern, to see things like this that happened back in the 17 and 1800s, to see that happen now, it's embarrassing for us as a country, actually. Yeah. Right? Well, well they were saying it on TV this morning as I was watching the around-the-clock coverage. Rodney King was 30 years ago, and we, haven't, we haven't really moved uh, forward that much. No, no, and that's it. And, well, well let, me, let me qualify this. Sure. We, many of us actually have moved forward. I don't want to allow the bad behaviors um, – of a few to really taint the many who are really who have progressed, who have matured, who have developed. There are a lot of people who have developed um, and Im improved themselves and their viewpoints. But yeah, it's the, the few people, the few troublemakers who really cause the most noise and really get things going. Yes. And so I think that we as a country have to continue to stand up and say that this just is not acceptable. And it just can't be black leaders doing it or Latino leaders. It's got to be white leaders and religious leaders. Everyone's got to say that this is just unacceptable. We're just not as a we're as a civilized society. This is not how we behave. Right. This behavior that has been demonstrated is barbaric. It's inhumane. On the one hand, you can't sit here and have all of this this backlash and this huge response when someone treats an animal in a humane inhumane way. And then when someone kills another human being, we don't have the same amount of fury and the same amount of, of disgust and contempt. We have to have it equally. You see what I'm saying? Oh, my God. Got, you're 100 percent. Uh, continue. I'm sorry. No, I'm just and I just want to say, you know, I understand that being an African-American and being Caucasian or being Latino, that we all have different. We all have different context. We come to this differently. We have a different culture. Um but there's so much more that we share and that actually divides us. Right. Like, right. People, everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to live well. Nobody wants to be behind in the bills. People would like to, to, to eat well. They want their kids to have opportunities. These, they're, they, this just is a fraction of all the things that we all want together. So instead of focusing on our differences, we, uh, you know, we should be focusing on what is our commonality. Right. Well, yeah. And I mean, differences, difference is okay. It's okay to be different. Who wants a homogenous society? Right. I like differences. I like walking to the store and seeing people of all different walks of life from all different backgrounds. That's why I love to travel the world. I mean, I'm a big world traveler with my family because I love learning about other people's culture and how they see the world. Because how I see it does not make it right because it's my way of seeing it. Right. There's no one right way to see the world or to interpret the world. And so we have to be more open-minded. And Americans, unfortunately, 
in my opinion, and this has nothing to do with what's just happened, Americans don't travel enough. We, we are not exposed enough to the world to realize that as powerful and as great as we are as a country, and as much as we love our country, and I love our country as much as anybody, that regardless of all that, there are other people who love their country too. Yeah, and they and and you know they're they're proud of who they are. They love their anthem. They love their flag. And we have to realize it's not us or them. Everyone is allowed to have that sense of patriotism. It doesn't mean you're against somebody else, right? I'm not against your country because I love my flag, but some people look at it that way. A hundred percent. We're stronger together. We've always agreed on that point, uh, Doctor Ian Smith. But unfortunately. Uh, the people in charge really, really want us to fight among ourselves for for whatever reason. It's in our whole political system, this side against that side. And then we go on Facebook and fight it out all day long. Uh, and I just I just my message to the people is like, no, man, we need to come together. That's where real growth will come. Wow. Right. What you just what you just said right there is just. It's so crystal clear. I mean, we have set up in the country, unfortunately, so many of our systems are just oppositional systems. Yes. They're just oppositional and confrontational. Yes. And exclusive. Um, and instead, if we said, and once again, we're all going to be different. Not everyone's going to be making $100,000 a year. Not everyone's going to drive a Mercedes. I get that. There are differences. I mean, that's capitalism. So I accept capitalism. But, but we, we, if dividing us and having us fight over things that are irrelevant and unnecessary is only making the country weaker. It's of not making course. us stronger. Of course. Right? And, and the politicians set that tone. You know that. 100%. They 100%. have no desire to work with each other. They have no desire to reach across the aisle. There was a time they kind of reached across the aisle, but now we live in an age where that just doesn't happen whatsoever. You're looked at as weak. Uh, in your yeah. own party, if you're one of those guys that are willing to reach across the aisle. But you want to know why they're like that, though? It's very clear why they're like that. It's because people are selfish. Because I believe that not everyone, once again, I don't want to make big general statements about everybody. Yeah. But there are a lot of people in Washington who we have constituents have elected and sent to Washington to do the business of the people. Yeah. There are a lot of people who are there for themselves. Of course. It's about self-preservation. It's about what do I get out of it? How do I hold on to power? Power is absolutely corrupting. Of course. And when you become one of these Congress people yeah. and you have this power, you don't want to give that power up. And all of a sudden you forget, listen, I've got three million, two million, half a million, whatever many constituents who I'm responsible for. It's not just about like me being able to be on a certain committee and chair a certain committee. It's about am I doing the business of the people? Am I doing the business of the country? And I really feel like Congress for decades has been extremely derelict of its duty and really helping this country be better than what it can be. We could be a much, we're a great country already. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But we could be unbelievably great if we could get people in Washington to stop putting their own interests ahead of those of the country. Uh, all they care is their careers. And, <laughs> that's and, it. And keeping the that's cushy it. jobs. And that's uh, why term limits. Oh God! That's, that's but, but your your logic is 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 too good. Sorry to interrupt you, but of course term limits would solve a lot of this. But they're not going to they're not going to vote for term limits ever. No, no. But the people have to. Yeah. See here the the problem with the the problem with the republic is that the people are not allowing their voices to be heard, and and you know when you're silent, sometimes silence is the loudest noise. Right. 
right? So when you're silent and you just allow people to continue to do what they're doing, then they do it. Right. You're 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 giving them, you know, affirmation, you're giving them, you know, consent. Sure. We have to say, guys, listen, there's no reason to be in Congress for 30, 40, 50 years. Come on. No. Give somebody else a chance. Yeah. Give somebody else a chance. You know, we're proud of the great work that you did. We appreciate the work that you did. But guess what? According to my investigations, there is no one who was born on earth who knows it all, who's perfect, who's godlike. Right. So you aren't the only person who's smart. There are other people who are smart, by the way. Yeah. You aren't the only hard worker. We can find some other hard workers. You aren't the only person who's ethical. We can find some other ethical people. So for someone to think that they need to hold on to this seat for 20 and 30 years because they're the best man or woman for the job, Think about what that really says. Think about that. Right. It's a God complex. It's terrible. Oh, it is terrible. Hey, can we swift, uh, 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 switch gears for a second? Excuse me. Uh, yes. So George Floyd started this whole thing. But I also believe, as I'm watching the riots live on TV, which is just completely insane, and I think today's going to be another really, really ugly day, especially because the president called for Magonite at the White House, which is just... <laughs> I can't believe we're living through this. It's unbelievable. He's, he's called for Magonite. Are, are they going to be showing a movie on the on the on the on the lawn there? Or? <laughs> <laughs> Will there be face painting for the kids? Free popcorn? What, what is Magonite except except a really bad idea? As, as we're going through this as a nation, but but the George Floyd thing, the the, the commentators on all these cable news channels. They're like, I don't understand why the protesting is continuing and the looting and the destruction. They arrested the officer and they're charging him with third degree murder. That should be enough to calm everyone down. I'm yelling at my TV. I'm like, this this has a lot to do with uh, George Floyd, of course, but it also has a lot to do with so many other things going on in this country. Let me just say that the journalists who are my brethren, because I'm a journalist also. Yeah. The, the journalists have been extremely, extremely short over the last six months to a year yeah. in their work. They're just, their work is shoddy. It's not thoughtful. It's sensational. It's, it's lazy. provocative. It's lazy. What a great word. Just lazy work. You know, on my Instagram page and people listening, my Instagram is at Dr. Ian Smith. Yeah. Spell the doctor out. I-A-N Smith. Yeah. On my Instagram page, this is my post today, okay? You can't love others until you love yourself. You can't be a lover of life if you don't respect the life of others. Right. And you can't see if you're blinded by hatred. So, you know, when you, to, to me, it really crystallizes to those three points. Yeah. I mean- if you love life like I love life, I don't I don't ever want to take another man's life. Like you and I can disagree. We could have like the greatest disagreements about politics or money or sports, whatever it is. But there's no disagreement that rises to the level that I want to take your life. Why would I want to take your life? Yeah. Right. Just think about that concept of life is, you know, I've had people die in my arms before patients. Death is final, dude. It's over. So. So there's a lot that needs to come before that final situation. I don't want to be part of someone's transition. Yeah. It's not my responsibility, right? And then the other part is hatred. Yeah. Like imagine imagine to be so filled with hatred that you can say some of these things and do some of these things and treat people a certain way. Another human being. Yeah. I just don't understand hatred that way. I don't understand it. I don't understand hatred. 
because I love myself so much and I love life so much. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity I have here on earth to live my life that I don't have any room for hatred. Once again, I may not like you, like that's a difference. Like I may dislike you, but I don't, but hatred, hatred is like a visceral, like one of those visceral in your bone marrow, kind of like, you know, you're just, I despise you. Like, right. you know, and, and hatred leads to stuff like this. Of like, course. that's how, that's how deep hatred can be, that it can just overtake you and overtake the way you see the world and what your decisions are. And then of course, unfortunately at the end, it can also direct your actions. And I think that the conversation needs to be about, I mean, people are talking about police brutality. That's nothing new. There's definitely police brutality, but there's all kinds of brutality, right? There's, there's economic brutality. There, there are people at banks. That, you know, they have white collar brutality, oh my right? Oh, God, do they. Right? Not loaning to people who deserve loans. The games they play with people's money. I mean, they're all so, – so I think, it's, I think it's a little kind of short-sighted to say it's just about the police. Right. Yes, police do have – are brutal sometimes, and, but not all officers are like that. There are plenty of officers who are sickened by that. I know a lot of – I'm friends with officers. We talk about this all the time. But I think, Oak, that – what people have to understand is that people need to realize that in order to really respect other people, you have to respect your own life first. Of course. Let me jump and, in for a second, because yeah. I, I think the hate comes from the fact that a lot of people pick fear over love. Right. Right. Uh, they're scared of love. It's easier to 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 go with your fears. Uh, you know, that person scares me, so I got to hate on that individual. Mm-hmm. I don't want to understand that individual. I'm going to put mm-hmm. up a wall of hate. And uh, Martin Luther King famously said, hate cannot drive out hate. Simple as that. Yeah. O- only love. I mean, love yeah. is the way to go, but you sound like you sound like an idiot saying this on a podcast, but it is the truth in the end. You got to pick love over fear in your life. You have to. You don't, you don't, if you really want... If you really want to reach the highest good, if you really want to maximize what you can, you have to pick it. Yeah, uh, it's just not easy for people to pick it. Hate is an easier reflex, by the way. Of course, it's it's easier to hate because it's an easy emotional response, whereas love sometimes takes work. I was just watching last night the end of some show uh, where some guy killed. Uh, I think it was in Oklahoma somewhere, but anyway, some guy killed this little girl and raped her and murdered her. She was seven, whatever. And the mother uh, and the guy eventually, you know, they caught him after like 20 years and he killed himself when he got in custody. He committed suicide. The mother of the daughter who was kidnapped and brutally murdered by this guy actually went to the gravesite of the guy. The murderer went to his gravesite with his the murderer's mother and laid flowers for him. Oh, my God. That I'm right. Not, I'm not there. <laughs> I know. Well, I know. I, I, I know. I, I worked. I worked towards uh, being more and more spiritual every day. But when you hear stories like that, I got to be honest. I'm not there. But I, it's hard. I, yeah. I, I, I know the way to go is forgiveness. I understand yeah. that in principle. But as a human being living a human experience, that is a tough lesson to fully uh, embrace. Tough. It's tough right there. So I. So you know, I say to people, listen. You know, you got to really talk about people's hatred. Right. It's really about hatred. And it's and it, as you say, it's about fear. It's about fear of differences. Yeah. Fear of people you don't understand or situations. It's just fear. So why are people so afraid? Think about it. I mean, you know, 
as an African-American, you know, you have a lady in Central Park. You have a lady in Central Park yeah. who has her dog off of a leash yeah. in the Bramble that we've all been to. Love the Bramble. She's The dog's off the leash. There's clear signs that say, please leash your dog. Yeah. All the guy asked her to do was to leash. Could you leash your dog? Right. He didn't ask her for anything else. He didn't say leave the park. Right. He didn't say, right. you know, I want this space for me. He just right. said, hey, could you leash you leash your dog? Yeah. And that deteriorated into her doing what she did to call the police and make up a story that this black guy is threatening her. And she did it because she knew that in this day and age that a great dog whistle, pun unintended, is to use that this an African, a threatening African-American male, because that will get a response, because history has shown us that that will get a response from law enforcement. Yes. Think how twisted that is. Just think about it. Well, and and people used that tactic for a really, really long time and got away with it until the invention of the good old cell phone camera, which has really, oh. really helped oh, let me tell you something. the real story. Oh, let me tell you something. Yeah. Can you imagine where we would be without cell phone cameras? Can you imagine how much injustice? Can you imagine it? No. It, 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 it hurts my head to think about how many cases and injustices have been perpetrated and not just black and white, I'm not just saying racial, I'm just saying in general, Yeah. how much injustice has been committed, how it would have never been revealed had we not had cell phone cameras. Right. So think about all the decades past, think about all the stuff that went down that no one ever found about or the truth never came out. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. So, uh, you got to walk me through being a black man and the police thing, because I got to be honest, as, as a white guy, I was never scared of the police. Every time I was pulled over, I was actually annoyed and absolutely would give a little bit of an attitude like, oh, God, right. I can't believe you're pulling me over. I used to have PBA cards that I would just throw at the officer like, oh, this is just a waste of time. And I never fully understood it. But there was one thing that happened years ago. Uh, Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld, they were filming a, uh, an episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And they were speeding on a highway. And they were laughing and joking. You know, those two together, it's a lot of comedy going on. And then Seinfeld's like, oh, we're getting pulled over or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. And Seinfeld's laughing like, oh, this is going to make really good TV. Chris Rock's face said it all. And, I, mm. and it made me like... Raise a raise an eyebrow like, wow, there's more to this than I ever, ever realized. Here's Chris Rock, who has made it in the entertainment world. He's a multimillionaire living in a mansion in one of the richest towns in Jersey. And man, a, a police car pulling them over just brings them right back, right mm. back to that fear that he feels being a black man in America, to be completely honest with you. So mm. walk me through this. Um. I think it really it's really historical um, and it's really cultural. When you think of um, and people should Google these cases, you look at cases like Emmett Till. Yeah. Um, you look at cases um, like the Scottsboro Boys. There were nine African-American teenagers, teenagers between 13 and 19. Right. Who were falsely accused in Alabama of raping two white women on the train in 1931. And by the way, completely false. The ladies admitted it was false. And you look at those cases, and as little black kids, 
you hear about this. You hear about it from your grandparents and from your parents and your uncles and aunts. And so what happens is you, as a young child, only because of history, not because of desire. Everyone desires a fair system. We desire a fair system. Right. But as a young child, you hear about all of the unfairness and inequities that have occurred against your people simply because of the color of their skin. And so you learn as a young boy that, listen, like like just the justice system is not colorblind. The justice system is not about equality. You just taught that. It may strive to be that. And we, like I said, we all want that, but it's not about that. Oh, yeah. so you learn as a young black boy in particular that, listen, any interface with law enforcement has the potential, has the potential to go sideways. And so you have to be educated. My grandfather educated me when I was a boy on how to handle it if I ever were in a situation. Just think about that. Just think that a parent has to educate his young child, who's not even out of elementary school, yeah. has to educate his young child about how to handle a situation when you interact with law enforcement, yet we were hearing from the other people that law, the police officers are your friend. Yeah. That law enforcement is there to protect you and protect your community. Right. If you get lost, look for a police officer, right? When I'm a kid, if you ever get lost, or you're ever in trouble, find a police officer. That's what you're taught, right? In school. But then you go home and your great aunts and uncles and grandparents who've had personal experience of injustices say, hey, listen, here's the real deal. So here I am as a kid trying to figure out this out. I don't understand. I love my teacher. I love Mrs. Garavelle. Like, I believe her, a little short old white lady. I believe her. I love her. Yeah. She's telling me this. But wait, my grandfather, who I love, is saying, but this is the real deal. Right. So you can you can imagine the, the tug of war, the intellectual and emotional tug of war that a black guy and black child goes through trying to figure this out. But then you have stuff like this. Right. And so then as a black guy, you sit there and say, well, you know, I'm suspicious, not suspicious. I shouldn't say that. I have to be very careful when I interact with law enforcement because I don't know who I'm getting. Right. I may get the not all the apples are bad right. in the barrel, but I may have gotten the wrong pick. I may have picked the wrong apple. Yeah. So if a, if a cop is stopping me. I'm always like, okay, be on your best behavior. Don't give attitude. Those hard for me sometimes. I'm stopping them, but I, I have given attitude before. But but don't give attitude because I don't know which cop I'm going to get. Am I going to get the guy who knows how to de-escalate a situation, or am I going to get the guy who's looking for for any reason to do something to me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that that's that's the plight, not just of African Americans, of Latinos. That's just our plight, right? And it's sad, but it's the truth. And while we are hopeful that it will change. We can never be naive and to believe in this idealism that, oh, you know, everything's going to be fine. They're just going to do what they're supposed to do. No, no, no. You can't live that way until it really changes. We have to be. So I have to teach my kids. We talk about it. It's dinner table conversation. Who wants to have that dinner table conversation with their kids? Yeah. You don't want that dinner conversation. No. You want to talk to your kid about fun stuff and good stuff and no, we got to talk about that because this stuff happens. And now, you know, kids all over the Internet, they see it. Right. They say, hey, dad, you hear about this guy in Minneapolis? So I got to sit them down and explain. Hey, this is the deal. It's horrible. Well, but it's, it's, it's what we have to do. Well, when I was growing up, uh, we had those same conversations at the dinner table. And my dad said, if you ever pulled over by a cop, just tell him where you live. <laughs> <laughs> I make that I make that joke because I honestly am trying to understand the other side. I, I got to say a couple things, 
I'm, yeah. I'm a huge supporter of cops in general, but I absolutely agree with you that there's bad apples, just like in any profession. Yep. Um, and the other thing is, so uh, a lot of the cops and how they act towards African-Americans, it's got to be fear-based to begin with, right? Yes. Okay. So I here, believe that. Here's the tough question. What's the responsibility in this whole thing as far as the black community goes? What are they doing wrong, if anything? What could they do better? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's a good question. I think that, I think that you know, um, African Americans um, could do a better job of explaining or communicating their issues uh, and applying the necessary political and other nonviolent leverages that are available to us to try to bring about change. I think that's one thing we could do better. Yeah. Right. We could vote better. Right. We could be more politically active. Right. We could be more socially active and, and, and more rational and cohesive ways. Right. I mean, African-Americans, I think, have like a 10, what is it, like a $10 trillion spending, you know, there are things that we could do and use leverage to bring about change, but we don't, we tend not to be so cohesive until things like this happen. Right. Right. So when, when, when these kind of crises happens, then everyone's rallying around, but, it, but you got to do it when the crisis isn't happening. Right. And so I think that's one thing we could do better. I think the other thing also is that, you know, as African-Americans, like, you know, we also could do a better job of loving each other. I mean, I think that, you know, this doesn't condone by any way, shape or form the behavior of, you know, bad police officers or bad doctors or bad teachers, whoever it doesn't, it doesn't condone that. Yeah. But I think, I think as African-Americans that we could have more pride um, in what we have and how we do things. But what's interesting is that when you've been oppressed for a long time, then you you start taking on the characteristics and the way of thinking of the oppressor. This is true. This is well studied. It's not me. This is well studied. Okay. And I think when people say, why is there so much black on black crime? Well, sometimes when you're oppressed for so long, everything kind of gets flipped, like all the wires get crossed. Right. And you're unable to see that you're complaining that you want improvement and you want progress and you want fairness. Yet you turn around and do the same thing to your brothers and sisters that you don't want someone else to do. Right. Right. Yeah. So it really it's, it's a real deep kind of it's 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 a deep history of psychological oppression and scars. And some people simply just aren't able to rise above it. Right. Wow. It's uh, sad. It's sad. It really is sad. And you got to explain the looting thing, because I I think we're all in agreement that we all want free stuff. OK, mm -hmm. Uh my thought is as simple as this. If you're going to loot, why wouldn't you go to the, the next town over? Why? I don't understand the logic in destroying your own uh, neighborhood during these protests that happened long time ago with Rodney King and uh, certainly in Minneapolis uh, that happened. And they're trying to say that a lot of that was done by outsiders. Um, sure, I believe some of that is true. But come on, a lot of a lot of local people also got in on the action as well. What, well, what's the looting all about? Well, a couple of things. One is I think that um, people who are looting in some ways are no different than those who looted the PPP program. 
recently, the COVID resp- uh, the COVID money, all those big businesses, right. okay, 500 store chains, okay, the money wasn't really meant for them. It was meant for the mom and pop shop. Yes. People own two or three or four outlets yes. or four locations. And then you get these big companies, these billion-dollar companies who used up and took all they stole that money. That's looting to me. Of That's course. the same thing, by the way. And I'm, right? glad, I'm glad you're throwing that in the discussion. Complete and utter corruption. and Corruption. Bullshit. Right. Yeah, that's looting. They took advantage right. of a crisis. We all take where advantage. Everyone... But I got to stop you for a second. We all yeah. take advantage when we can. I mean, yes. I think we're yes. all guilty of that. Yes. But to yes. say but... like, to say like, look what the the black community is doing over here, looting the target and whatnot, and and burning down their community and taking advantage, but ignoring the other side of this, the corporate crime, I think, is way worse. Way way worse. worse. But but to your but to your question though yeah. is that. You know, it is an enigma for people that people would go and ruin what is in their own backyard. Why not go to the other side of town? And if you're really upset and ruin that. Yeah. Right. Like and and, and by the way, psychologists obviously have studied this for decades. Because this is not this is not a new phenomenon. Yeah. But some things that are very interesting is that, um, number one, a lot of those stores, they don't own those stores. So, you know, they don't own Target. A black person doesn't own Target, right? Yeah. So so they are looting and destroying a lot of stores that are not owned uh, by their people, number one. Uh, number two, what happens is people tend to uh, lash out. This is interesting. People tend to lash out at people who are closest to them, even if they aren't involved with the reason why they should be lashing out. Think about it. Yes. Right. How many times look at the relationships? How many times has a loved one or a family member like, la- you know, lashed out at you because they're upset at something else, but they know that they can get away with lashing out at you. It's OK. Right. Right. Because because you're going to still love them. You'll forgive them. Well, think about it. You're looting in your own neighborhood. Well, guess what? Eventually it's going to be forgiven. This is where you live, blah, blah. But if you go on the other side of town, you're going to be met with something maybe. Right. You go. Yeah. Right. You, there's going to be some serious penalties on the other side of town. So what do you do? You la- you, you loot and lash out kind of in a place that you feel like could be a forgiving, you know, the response could be forgiving at the end of the day. Yeah. So I just, you know, but let me overall say that I think that the looting is reprehensible. There's no, there's no justification for being criminal. That's criminal behavior. You can't go steal and burn. I mean, just think of the innocent people. You own a store. Yeah. You're a little guy. You own a little mom and pop shop. And someone burned your store down. Yeah, it's really And you had nothing sad. to do with anything. I know. So, and here's the last thing I want to say about this. And here's the sadness of it. And this is why it really bothers me. Because now, guess what you've just done? You've just moved the conversation away from what should be, we should be talking about. Yes. Now, right? Yes. Now, you're allowing your criminal, unnecessary looting behavior to become the focus of attention and you're taking the light off of the injustice yes. that brought us here in the begin with. Yes, you make it easy. I, easy. I, I've, I've done a lot of personal growth. And I'm going to say this again. I've said it many times in the last few years. I was a raging lunatic when I was doing uh, that popular radio show because I knew exactly how to do this. And I would be frustrated around, with the people around me. And instead of sitting them down and saying, hey, man, you know, your work, blah, blah, blah. You could do a better job with this or this is what you did wrong. I'd be screaming and yelling, oh, my God, don't you understand how to fucking do this? And I would lose my mind and scream. 
And mm. what ends up happening? That person isn't listening to you anymore. He's looking at you like, what a fucking asshole. Mm. So, mm. so, so it's counterproductive. And, mm -hmm. and so when you're burning down your own neighborhood and you're looting the mom and pops and stuff, that becomes the story instead of, hey, man, there's real injustice going on uh, with the cops and the black community, and we got to focus on that. Uh, so, so your point is absolutely well taken. I do have to say this, too. I knew uh, things were were uh, getting real when they stole the shoes at Target. <laughs> I was like, man, these people mean business. They even took the shoes. Who the hell, who the hell buys shoes at Target? And they wiped out the shoes. And I was thinking that. I was thinking that. Target should be grateful because those shoes have probably been, probably been in that store for 10 years. Yeah, right, right, right. You're right. They've been out of style and back in style. They got old inventory that's been out of style and back in style. Oh, oh man. So, you know what be interesting, though? And honestly, oh, what's yeah, interesting yeah. Is, is to hear, I wish that someone who does that looting, yeah. I wish that they would go on camera. Maybe they go, like, uh, obscure their face. But I'd love to hear what their rationale is behind looting your own backyard i just would love to hear maybe it's online i'll look for it, see if i find it but yeah i'd like to hear what someone said why they do that because i don't because like i said my brain isn't wired that way so i don't understand why you would do yeah like you know it's just it's it's so counterproductive i, I don't know i don't understand well that's just a lot of uh, a lot of anger that's been building inside and it's just an opportunity to get it out i i was saying today though this uh all these protests around the country certainly have a lot to do with george uh floyd but not everything to do with him. I think people in this country just don't believe in the American dream anymore. And you got this coronavirus pandemic. You got so many people unemployed and you got family members sick. And when 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 you have less to lose, it makes it easier to do what you're seeing on TV. Don't you think? Say that again. Say that again. When you have less to lose, it makes it easier to do the things you're seeing on TV. If you, have a, if you have a very good job and good health insurance and you're looking forward to a trip to the Caribbean or Disney, a lot of those people are staying home at that point. But if you're if you have lost your job because of the pandemic and you know you're not coming back anytime soon and unemployment is through the roof, that's when you see crime go up. When the economy is shitty, that's when crime goes up in your neighborhood, in your city, in your town. Hey, hey, oh. I had to repeat that not because I didn't hear it the first time, but because what you just said yeah. was the most salient thing you've said all day. You know why? What you just articulated yeah. is why revolutions occur. Yeah. That's why look at the history of the French Revolution. Yeah. When people have little to lose, then they don't have the same calculus, the right. same math. Right. That someone who has a job good job, whose kids are in a good school, who live in a nice neighborhood. They don't have the same calculus. So for them, it doesn't matter. And my whole argument, my whole argument is this. Here's where the haves go wrong of yeah. the world. Yeah. What the haves don't realize is people who are have-nots are somewhat resigned sometimes, unfortunately, to their position in life. They're not trying to aspire to ascend to how high you are, but they just want to have some ascension. Yes. Like they may not, they don't want to be on the ground. They want to get up maybe to the rung four of the ladder. You're at rung 20. They just want to go from the ground zero to rung four. Yeah. But the people on the rung 20 don't even want them to go up to rung four. Right. So they piss on them. 
Yeah. They piss on them. They stand up there on that 20th rung and they piss on them and they throw stuff at them to try to beat them back down to zero. Yeah. And then at some point, the guy says, hey, listen, guys, I can't get past, I can't get up to four anyway. Who cares? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to chop the whole ladder down. Yeah. Right? A hundred percent. hundred percent. That's what, what you said was the most salient thing today. Well, is I, that I thought the people target, don't recognize it. I thought the Target shoes thing was the. <laughs> well, that was pretty good. <laughs> no, just and I, just, I, I, we could wrap up in a few minutes, but I also have to put some blame on the mainstream media. You know uh, the media pretty well, and I certainly know the media pretty well. They they really really want these riots to be completely out of control night after night. It makes for great TV. It brings up the ratings. They could uh, charge more for their spots. You know, it, it plays into their hands. And uh, like right now, just before I, um, I, uh, I, I, I did this podcast with you, I'm watching and they don't have any new footage. Right now, uh, we're, we're recording this Saturday at uh, like noon. Uh, they don't have any new footage. Everything is kind of calm. So what are they doing? They're showing all the nasty shit from last night. They're just, they just want to keep it up. They want to just keep it going, you know? Uh, the uglier, the better as far as their purposes go. And I also believe if you shut off the cameras in some of these locations, a lot of people, not all, a lot of people go home. Because it's been my experience over the years. You put a microphone or a camera in front of someone's face, they completely act differently. They try to act in a way where they think you want them to act. Not all. I'm not, I'm not this isn't a blanket statement, but it certainly is something to throw into the uh, discussion here. Oh, I am not going to allow you to drag me into a conversation about the horrific, disgusting, sloppy sensational work of sensationalistic work of my brother in the media the media has been absolutely horrific yeah they've been horrific yeah and someone needs to call them out and this is I'm, listen i'm a media person so let's get it straight i'm not like a person like oh i can't stand the medium the media no no i'm yeah. a media person yeah i'm in the media all the time i'm a journalist I, for years i'm telling you that the behavior of the media over the last couple of years has been despicable yes horrible yes. lazy these guys have sensationalized and it's all about bringing ratings you know why because people aren't watching tv like they used to right. because there are plenty of other great platforms online phones that people can get information from we don't need the big three now the big four with fox anymore we don't need these guys to get information information is out at the speed of light yeah but these guys do everything they can like you just said that's a great example. Why are you playing this video from last night? Why don't you now show some video that things are calmer now? Yeah. Because that doesn't it doesn't buy into their narrative. Okay. Well, I they, asked them. they did show a few people with brooms in Minneapolis starting to clean up their neighborhood. And that's where I do believe in humanity in the end. It's it's tough sometimes to believe in humanity. But yeah, they, but guess what? They're they, not going to give you wall-to-wall coverage of those no, photos. No, that's quick. And let's get let, back to... Let, let's get back to... And let me tell you something. I asked a friend of mine, I asked a friend of mine who was a... I won't mention his name. He's a major anchor at a major network. Yeah. And I said <laughs> to him, why in the heck... Do you guys keep covering this particular issue when you know that it's false and wrong and inflammatory and everything else? You know what he said to me? Huh. 
our ratings have never been better. Of course. Of course. Never been better, he said to me. We have to do it. Of course. And and I have to say, because I know a lot of people listening to this right now are like, yeah, that's right, MSNBC and CNN, they're the enemies. No, across the board, my friends, they're all doing it. They're all taking all advantage of, of this. All and, of And them. the fact is, if you want to talk about MSNBC and CNN, I'll, get, I'll give them a little punch today. So they have uh, wall-to-wall coverage how terrible Trump is, and we got to impeach him, and we got to get him out of office, and we got to get that 25th Amendment going. You know, we've all seen it. In the, in the end, uh, when the cameras are off and they're all in their offices, they all want Trump to be reelected. <laughs> and, you're, and, and, you're, and you're going, what? Of course. They want Trump to be reelected. They don't mean any of that shit. Because if Biden becomes our president, that's going to be a fucking bore for the 24-hour cable news channels. A Better bore. believe it. Oh, unless he makes um, uh, unless he makes his gaffes, but let me tell you something. Yeah, you let me tell you something. No matter what you want to say about this guy, yeah, he has been tremendous business for the news outlets. I don't care what you of say. Of course, he has been the greatest. He's been the greatest traveling show to be covered by the news. It's just yeah, every oh not every week, every single day, every day. He has provided for these guys every day. It's been like a, he's given them gifts beyond belief. It's just a weird – isn't a weird relationship? Yeah, he's, like, he's such a narcissist that he needs to go viral multiple times a day. <laughs> Other people are like, wow, it went viral. I can relax a little bit. And he's already thinking about the next viral moment. I, I'm not a Trump supporter. People know that. But I'm not a supporter of Biden either. I think these two guys are horrible choices for America. Uh, but with that said, and I'm, I, I, I got to say it again, Trump is entertaining as all hell. When I saw that tweet this morning, uh, you know, MAGA night at the White House, I'm like, are we really living through this insanity? It's amazing. You know what, though? I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. Cooler heads will prevail. Yeah. And the country is going to no one and no policy is bigger than our country. Yeah. Nobody is. Yeah. This is the United States of America, kid. Yeah. This is the United States of America. We've already had one civil war. We're not going back there again. Right. No one's gonna no one's gonna do it to us. And we all have to remember that. We we all should love our country. If you love your country enough, you will not allow people to continue to divide us. Once again, we can all have our differences. Yeah. We can all believe in different things. My state's better than yours, my baseball team is better than yours. Whatever we all can believe that stuff. Yeah. But I'm not gonna allow you. To, I'm not gonna allow someone else to make me hateful and be divisive and be confrontational to other people just because we have differences. I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. I love my country too much. And you know what? Life is too short. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that, our country has a way of balancing itself out. It gets a little crazy on this side and then it gets a little crazy on the other side. It just kind of right. goes back and forth, <laughs> That's right? right? That's right. Uh, <laughs> But with that said, I, I unfortunately think it's going to get ugly for a little bit before we get back to some form of normalcy and trying to figure out, uh, I don't know, a better way, I guess. I'll um, tell you what, July 4th, you and I, let's talk around July 4th. Okay. Let's let's talk around this, the birthday of our country Yeah. and see how things have changed since this conversation. Yeah. That'd, okay. That'd be great. And. Yeah, that'd be great. And I guess so much for that social distancing, huh? Remember when we had to worry just about the coronavirus? We're not Jeez. we're not flattening the curve anymore. 
Jeez. Oh my God. I mean, you, you really got to believe in, in what's going on to hit the streets during a pandemic like this. And, and the screaming, you, I mean, I don't have to tell you that that's making stuff travel further, right? It's unbelievable. As far as the it's, virus this is just, goes. This is, as someone just said very simply, these are just crazy times. Yeah. And hopefully when we get through it, we'll look back at it and say, can you remember when? Right. Can you remember when? So, right. man, it's good talking to you. Hey, guys, follow me on Instagram at Dr. Ian Smith. Spell the doctor out, I-A-N Smith. I started a new uh, Instagram page for my character coming. I have a mystery, Ooh. murder mystery coming up in October. It's nice. called The Unspoken. It's nice. on Amazon. So follow my character's page. I am Ash Kane, A-S-H-E-C-A-Y-N-E. I give away a tons of, tons of stuff. I am Ash Kane. Follow that page, too. And you're a hell of an author, man. You know, I love the diet books, but also your 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 other books are just so damn good. And I love this version of you, man. Over the years, you would come in, we'd do the diet thing, blah, 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 and that was always fun. But this version of you where you're speaking out on some of these pretty uh, heavy topics, I, I love it, man. I love no it. No problem. Hey, do me a favor. Can I, I'm going to send you um, the advanced copy of, of uh, The Unspoken, okay, my novel. Ah. <laughs> Let me send it to you. Jeez, give me a of break. Course, of course, I look forward. To it. You know, I have to be kind of a dick. I know you do. It's a good, it's a good little diversion. Yeah, a lot yeah. of twists and turns. I love it, man. Stay safe. Yeah, you too. And man. um, be positive and keep. Uh, we need people like you and your voices to, you know, your voice. But I mean this sincerely, by the way. People like you with your voice, yeah, and your platform, you can drown out all of the negativity. You uh, can. It's important. Well, I'm trying, man. It's okay. I, I, we're all we're, we're all doing it what we can in our own way. And trust trust me. Yeah. There's there's strength in numbers. Okay. Right, right on, brother. All right, man. Be all cool. Right. All right. See Peace. you. Well, that was fun, man. All right, now I got to start thinking about what I'm gonna wear for Magnite.